This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It's Daily Thrones here on a Sunday. No episode. I feel that lost, too. I was thinking about just rewatching episodes tonight, so, but instead I watched football, which is kind of like watching Game of Thrones as we talked earlier in the week. You just find your team and you root for it. It's Lannisters versus Starks. I wonder what football helmets the Lannisters would have. It's actually pretty cool. Game of Thrones football helmets. I'm sure it's out there on the internet. I don't got time to search. Guys, we got a lot of calls coming in to talk about some of the topics we've been putting out there the last couple of days here on Daily Thrones, including uh, some of your favorite book moments compared to the show, uh, some of your show mo- moments compared to the books, which ones you like better. we got some good ones coming in. And talking about Braun. What is Braun's true purpose in the story? Where does he fit in? We're talking on the show mostly, the book's playing out a little differently as we know, but on the show, Braun, played by the wonderful Jerome Flynn, where does he fit in? Let's dive into it here on Daily Thrones. Morning, Ken. Um, now, we all know that predictability isn't really uh, Game of Thrones' style, but as far as Braun's arc and story goes, I think he's eventually going to fight with uh, Tyrion and Jaime and the North against Cersei because we already saw during the loot train battle where he ran away from the money that fell uh, didn't go after the coin he saved Jaime I think it would be a really bad twist if after all of this time uh, Bronze just still goes, no, it's all about the money and Cersei's paying me. I think the way it's set out to go is he's going to go with his heart instead of his coin. I like what Hedge Knight Andrew is saying here about Braun. Maybe he's made a complete transition to not just being the mercenary out for money, out for the gold. Certainly that's part of it, but even when he boasts about it, he always seems to come through and he's not, I don't want to say oddly loyal to Jamie or uh, Tyrion before him. Uh, I think he recognizes something in the, in in them. They, they've been around the world. They've uh, he, bronze traveled. He 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 knows the lay of the land, and I think he sees something in first it was Tyrion, and now Jamie that he just just saw, likes him about it. Now bronze also smart. He's going to side with the winning team. At least that's what he's doing up to now. I think his decision to not fight the mountain on behalf of Tyrion uh, was smart. Uh, just as his decision to uh, fight for him in the Vale against Lord Vardis, Sir Vardis was brave, and he was rewarded justly. I like the idea that Braun is maybe completing a slow seven, eight-year transition to actually be a man who listens to his heart and loyalties and not just his gold. What do you guys think? Let me know. More theories about Braun coming in. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. Uh, I think Braun's big purpose, overall purpose, besides being the voice of reason in the show, is to help Jamie blow up King's Landing. Uh, you know, my, my whole thing behind Plan B and Bran setting up King's Landing as a trap for the White Walkers once they got past the wall. Uh, but somebody has to light the fuse. 
And it's always been speculated by everybody online that it's going to be Cersei and the whole Mad Queen theory that she blows up the city. I don't think so anymore. I think it's Jaime that actually lights the fuse. He and the Golden Cloaks will move everybody underground, uh, where uh, Brian had it all set up with the 50 miles of tunnels underneath there. And then Jamie will lead a uh, an assault team into uh, the city um, to round things out. That's where you get Colleen Bowl and things like that. But uh, Bronn's big purpose to help Jamie blow up King's Landing. Thanks. All right, Kevin, over three cocktail questions here on Anchor's always got some great theories. Uh, some of them I don't uh, play here on the station because I, I just don't have the time, the days and days and days to get Kevin's great theories out. I suggest you go to his station, three cocktail questions, and listen. But Kevin's always called in about what he calls Plan B, which he feels something to do with a time-traveling brand. Now the three-eyed raven, of course, at some point, manipulating, creating... Kevin will fill you in those 50 miles of tunnels underneath King's Landing, under under the castle, under the capital, right there. And he believes that his plan B is they'll somehow lure the White Walkers, not necessarily just the Whites, but the White Walkers themselves, the others, the Night King and his generals, into those tunnels, and then boom, wildfire will take them out. It's an interesting theory. Not necessarily one I'm going to put some money behind, but I love the idea of it. And I love the idea that those tunnels that they talk often about aren't just for Varys to sneak around in. So could Braun have a big factor in that? Could he be part of that? Is he going to stick by Jamie's side if they return to King's Landing? Maybe to finish the job with Cersei? One last chance to team up with her? Or is Braun just going to fade off in the distance? I like the idea. We've talked about Braun's motivations changing. And maybe his loyalties are more now to these people, these brothers Lannister, than it is to gold. So potentially I could see something like that working out where Bronn sticks with Jamie and helps to decide the end. As far as this plan B, will that actually happen? I don't know. But one thing I did like about Kevin's call, I like a lot of it, of course, is Braun is the voice of the reason, voice of reason on the show. Much like I think the Hound is. There's something about Hound just the way he is of like, hey, I know how the world works. I still love that moment with Arya. How many Starks have to, you know, have their heads cut off before you understand how the world works? Paraphrasing, of course. But I love the Hound's point of view. It, it's it's interesting and refreshing in this world where a lot of people make mistakes. And I like Bronze. Bronze is the voice of reason, as I said earlier today, when he uh, when he decides to not fight the mountain and tells Tyrion, "Not going to do it. It's a realistic decision. Bronze is not going to be the hero." All right, guys, well, I'll probably have more about Plan B this week. Let's talk about wild and crazy theories here on Game of Thrones. Did Bran somehow warg, travel, do whatever he has to do back and get to get back in time and have miles and miles of tunnels built in King's Landing to somehow factor into the end? Let me know here and let Kevin know over our three cocktail questions. Let's take a look at some book and show differences. We've got a call from Billy here, and I will warn you guys right now, as always, if you haven't read the books, these could contain book spoilers. If that's still part of your mission as a Game of Thrones fan to take in the books and you don't want to be spoiled, I understand. Skip this one, but if you're not, let's dive on in to a great difference from book to show. Hey, Ken. One thing that I enjoy in the books more than in the show is that in the books, it's alluded that all the Stark children have the potential to be wargs, and specifically stated that 
Bran is obviously a warg, and that John and Arya display warging abilities in the series that we know for sure, 100%, they are wargs. I wish this is something. I wish this is something that they explored in the TV show, and how it potentially relates to John's death in the books, and how Arya uses her abilities when she's trained to be a faceless man. I really think this is something that they could have and should have explored in the show, as it would really give more depth to their characters and more depth to magic in the world and how important the Starks really are. So Billy's calling in with one of, yeah, the bigger differences in the books that's uh, different from the show is that it is very well known in the, uh, if you read the books, that the Stark children, including Jon Snow, have the power to warg. It's not on the show at all. Bran is the only one. Now, there's definitely a connection between the Wolves and the Starks. We definitely get that early on, Season 1. You see it. You see it uh, with Bran. You see it with Ghost. You see it with uh, Grey Wind. You see, uh, you see it. It's there. There's a connection. But the Green Dreams, the Worgen, and all those kind of things, not so much there. There's definitely more with Jon Snow and Ghost. And... Jon Snow's final words uh, at the end of book five is, is ghost. It's a call for ghost. And there's a lot who believe that even in the books it will be different from the show when we finally get Winds of Winter, that Jon will maybe warg into ghost. I was a full believer that prior knowing that Jon's quote-unquote death was probably coming on the show, that this would factor in and that be revealed that Jon had this power too. Uh, R.A., of course, uses it over in Bravos during her training with the Faceless Men. There's already so much stuff on the show going on over there in Bravos with her that maybe it would seem weird that she can warg into animals as well. I, 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 I'll say this. I'm okay with it not being on the show because the show maybe gets accused of being, quote, dumbed down from book to show. I think that's just kind of streamlining it. And Bran now takes on a bigger importance because he's the only one in the family with this ability, this this fully uh, formed ability to warg as he learns it and of course affects history in the future with it as well. So I think it highlights Bran, it gives him something a little bit more, he's not just being uh, wheeled around with two broken legs or useless legs and uh, you know, uh, making him not seem as special if everyone in the family has it. It just might make a little bit more sense to do it that way. But I like what Billy's saying. It gives you a sense if every one of the Stark children, including Jon Snow, the bastard, allegedly, of course, um, it, it gives them a sense of uh, main character status. They're elevated. They're important. All eyes should be on them. And maybe a little bit of that is lost, though the Starks are definitely... Uh, are they still the main characters? Yeah, I think they are, other than Daenerys. Um, yeah, and Cersei and Jaime. I'm not taking anything away from that, but I still think when you think of Game of Thrones, it's still about winter is coming, winter is here, that's stark words, that's stark beliefs, and Ned set you up. This is a very much about the Stark family. We saw that this season, saw that last season, Winterfell being so key, the North being so key. So even without all of them having the ability to warg, they do come off as important, but I believe uh, Billy is right from the sense that in the book, it is just, it's really driven home. What do you guys feel? Would you have wanted to see more Worgen from the Starks on the show? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. Hey, what's going on, Ken? Everybody else who's listening, um, I think it's, I think it's obvious we can assume that John is Azor High at this point. I think that's fair. 
I do agree right now that if they put it in the show, it'll be shoehorned in. They only got six episodes left. And I'm starting to wonder how long the war will actually be, you know, because last time it happened, it happened for a while, didn't it? It is called The Long Night before Zorhai actually rose up with Lightbringer and the sword. So I wonder if we're ever in the show, in the six episodes, if they're all an hour and a half and it's supposed to be like a movie, are we going to get this long night over the course of a couple years? And as far as how they put it in the show, maybe Sam, you know, stumbles across the whole story and learns about Nightbringer and Azura High and he has to explain it to John because John needs to know how to beat the Night King. Maybe if they do that cleverly enough, they can fit it in six episodes. Hey, Ken, so talking about Broad for a minute, so Stannis said back in Season 5, sell swords, loyal to nothing but gold. And while I do think that is true, I do think Bronn, deep down, does have an affection for Tyrion and even Jaime a little bit. And, you know, back in Season 4 when he, you know, said he would not fight the Mountain, I truly believe if it was an opponent that Bronn really thought 100% he could whip, I think Bronn may have fought for Tyrion in that situation, but Bronn, at the end of the day, is always going to look out for number one himself. But I think with Jamie getting out of Dodge, there's no way Bronn, I can see, staying in King's Landing. I think he's going to get out of, out of Dodge as well and probably join the fight against the undead, perhaps. But Bronn is someone I could actually see going the distance and coming out of this whole thing actually alive. Closing out the day with some great calls. First, Marcus with a wonderful call. Marcus, that's a home run call talking about the uh, length of this great war for the dawn that we're going to get in season eight. How long will it be? I think I think it's a great question because we're limited by six episodes. No matter the length, hour and a half, two hours, you know, that's definitely a lot of time. But I think we're still limited by the number of episodes. It's six, and I think you have to get through it. This thing's got to get started. And look, the Night King has breached the wall. You gotta imagine it's gonna be, gonna be a, a, a battle that is already upon us when the season begins. I don't think we will have a lot of time for the de- debates of the realm. But the debates of the realm and all the talks and all that stuff is part of why we watch Game of Thrones, which was probably one of the. Uh, critiques a lot of people had one of the reasons they had that critique in season 7 that uh, the fast pace of the show took out some of those quieter moments though I think if you watch back season 7 had all the moments that you uh, you know that you normally would think would be in the show now to Marcus's question how long will this war be I think I would be happy again let's say hour 15 hour 30 on some of these episodes Hour 10, maybe. Three episodes at least? Give me four? I guess the bigger question that I have is how many episodes or how long do you want to cover the aftermath? How long do you want to wrap this, have to wrap this up is is what I'm trying to say. So say the war goes all six of the episodes and then you have 45 minutes of the last episode to do the uh, Return of the King endings of Here's Where Everyone Goes. How long do you want to spend? Obviously, we need to see what happens. But if the war goes three episodes, uh, three and a half, I am of, uh, of the oak that wants to see what happens after. What happens after the end of all of this? I don't necessarily need fade out, fade in six months later, six years later. I don't necessarily need that. That could be the topic of another show for for certainly uh, certain. Um but I would like some time with the characters that survive. I would like some time with the new 
New World. So that's a great question, guys. Let's talk about it in Season 8 to Marcus's question. How long do you think this will go? And what would cause it to either speed up or drag on? His idea of uh, Samuel finding a lot of stuff out about Azor High and kind of uh, uploading that legend and that part of the Prince That Was Promised prophecy to the audience. That could work. And maybe we get right in and get going there. And Eric with some closing thoughts on Braun, which we were talking a lot about today. And I think you're right, Eric. I think if Braun felt he could have defeated the Mountain or could have defeated whoever was the champion if it wasn't the Mountain... Uh, all the way back in season four. I think he would have done it. I think he's that loyal to Tyrion. All right, guys, that's it for today on Daily Thrones. Don't forget to favor the station. Spread the news. Spread the word. Uh, share the uh, podcast. Share the segments. Uh, especially if you get a call in and you want to be uh, loud and proud about it because you guys have so many amazing calls. Be sure to share it on Twitter and spread the word. That will definitely help Daily Thrones here on Anchor. Don't forget to check out the podcast form every day on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. That's it for now. We'll see you on Daily Thrones.